You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. It's great to have you here in worship with us this morning at Grace Covenants. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, how many of you know what today is? Obviously, it's what? It's Resurrection Day, right? But it's also April Fool's Day. Here's a question for you. Have you ever been pranked or have you ever pulled a prank on someone else that was just like hilarious? Come on. I have been pranked and I have pranked others. Actually, I had a great idea. At least I thought it was an idea and the staff shut me down on it. But this was the idea I had playing off April Fool's Day. I thought, let's use social media. And sometime late Saturday afternoon, let's just send out the social media blast that says, Pastor Farrell's resigning from Grace Covenant. Come on Sunday and find out why. (laughs) And then you would show up, and then I'm here, and it's like, hey, April Fool's, right? (laughs) I did a little research. Some great stories online. I would encourage you at some point, not right now, but at some point, Google April Fool's Day. And funny stories, but one of the funniest ones I came across, at least I thought it was funny, happened going back in history. This goes back to April the 1st, 1906. Thousands of residents in Wichita, Kansas, gathered on the bank of the Arkansas River as two freak natural occurrences were set to collide in what was sure to be like this once-in-a-lifetime event. Unfortunately, no one thought to check their calendars to see what day it was, being April 1st. Well, the joke actually originated... Uh, on the front news of the newspaper, the Wichita Daily Eagle, which reported that there was this giant 12-foot wall of water coming down the Arkansas River. Due to a lot of snow in the north, there was this wall of water coming down. While at the same time, to the south, it had been so warm that frogs had hatched off a bunch of of, uh, eggs, and there was like all of these frogs coming up the river going north. You have this wall of wall of water coming down the river at about 10 o'clock in the morning. They were both going to collide in Wichita, and who knows what might happen. They said, you might even see frogs surfing. So thousands of people showed up on the banks of the Arkansas River and waited three hours for it to happen, and it never happened. And someone realized it was April Fool's Day, that they had been pranked. The people are really gullible today. Well, in my mind... The greatest of all pranks, if you can think of it like that, was pulled off by God Himself on Resurrection Sunday. Pilate and the religious leaders, the Roman soldiers, they thought they had won. This Jesus who had been like causing all of this trouble uh, had been crucified. He was dead, placed in a tomb. And because there was like this rumor that He was going to get out of the grave, the religious leaders took an extra step of caution to make sure that His disciples didn't steal the body and create some kind of bogus proclamation So they sealed the tomb and had even Roman soldiers posted at the tomb to make sure that the body of Jesus would not be stolen. But they were fooling themselves. They couldn't stop the resurrection. What Jesus told His disciples would happen, happened. And on the third day, Jesus Christ busted out of the grave. That's the good news. The good news for us today. See, on Friday, Good Friday, it it appeared that death was final, like irreversible. The disciples were devastated as everything they had hoped for, everything they had, they had believed in, um, was ended as Jesus' body was laid in the tomb. But on Sunday, they received a message that changed history. And here's the message. It's really simple. It's this. He is alive. 
Death could not hold Jesus captive. He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. What the religious, re- religious leaders intended for harm, God actually turned to your benefit, to my benefit. You know, if you think about it, the resurrection has changed everything. Like it's the most, it's the single most important event happened in history. Because of the resurrection, what we have, we have life. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Oftentimes that's what we think. And we, we think, well, Jesus came to make bad people good. And if he did, here's a question for you. Why are you still bad? Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jesus came to bring life for us as we're processing through and dealing with the reality of our failure-prone, like faulty humanity, what we struggle with. But Jesus came to answer that question for us. You know, it's interesting as you look to the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, you discover that the Roman soldiers declared that Jesus was dead. You discover that the religious leaders celebrated their victory. Pilate said to secure the tomb, but they didn't have the final word. He said, on Sunday morning, the place of death became the place of life. That's what we celebrate today. The tomb is empty. Christ is one. Then I was in the Holy Land like two months ago. The last place that we visited before we returned to the States was the garden. And I went and I stuck my head in the tomb. And guess what? It's still empty. Still empty. I, I'm proof. I can give proof of that. Still empty. Why? Because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. This whole story of resurrections recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And as the story reads, there's a group of women who are on their way to the tomb with spices, all a part of the embalming process. So they're on their way to the tomb to embalm the body of Jesus with these spices. And when they get to the tomb, they're like shocked. They're shocked because they discover what they were not expecting to discover, being that the stone has been rolled away. And when they're trying to like figure all of this out, there's two angels that speaks to them. I want you to listen how the Gospel reads. The Gospel of Luke chapter 24. The angel said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified and on the third day to be raised again. So here with the the women expected to find death, they found life. Where they expected to find like a corpse, they found an empty tomb. Jesus had risen just as He said He would. He was alive, and not only was He alive, but He's opened the way that every one of us can be alive as well. Listen, the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, is both a biblical fact and a historical fact. If I had time this morning, I could walk you through proof after proof after proof that Jesus got up from the grave. It is a fact. Here's the question, though, is what does the fact mean for you? What does the resurrection mean personally for you in your life. The Apostle Paul, writing to the believers at Ephesus, began to speak of the benefit of the cross, the benefit of the resurrection for you and I. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, Paul wrote these words. They're on the screen, so follow along as I read these words. 
says, as for you, speaking to the believers in Ephesus, as well, I think, for all of us today. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But God, that's the good news, but God. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Paul begins here in this passage of Scripture with a fact. And here's the fact. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Listen, it's possible to be physically alive but spiritually dead. It's possible to be walking around, breathing air, heart beating. You have life physically but not have life spiritually. And Paul begins with this fact of, as for you, you, what, you were dead. And it's this dilemma that Jesus came to solve. He came from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified and resurrected, that we might be made alive. See, in the midst of our crisis, what God intervened. You come to the transition in verse 4, where Paul says, but God, rich in mercy, God, because of His love, what did He do? He sent His Son to die that we might live. He sent His Son to die on a cross, to be resurrected on the third day, that you and I might be made alive. Again, the good news for us today was the tomb is empty. Because Jesus is alive. Four things. Four things this means for you this morning. Let me give these to you really quick. The first is this. Because Jesus is alive, you don't have to live with guilt and shame. How many of you know we all have a history? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We all, have, we all have stories of our lives that we would rather no one else know about. I mean, it is the reality of life. Listen, here's the good news. You don't have to live with the guilt and shame anymore because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. Listen, He was nailed to the cross so you can stop nailing yourself to the cross. Isn't that good news? And the fact is most people go through life riddled by guilt and shame and past regrets. They carry this load through life because we're imperfect. We mess up. We fail. We make poor decisions. And that's reality. If I were to ask you this morning to take a piece of paper and list all of your regrets in life, we could come up with a pretty long list pretty quick. If it was in confidence and I were to ask you, write down all of the things that you're guilty of. No one else would know. You could probably come up with a list pretty quick. Or, or even, even if I were to ask you, write down all of the things that's created shame in your life, that you're ashamed of. Again, we could create a list, because what the reality is, as I said, we all have history. We all have challenges. We've all failed, made poor decisions. The good news is we don't have to be a slave to our past. 
Because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, we can live free from, from guilt and shame. If you look back to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives us like the past and the present. The past is found in verse 1. For you were dead in your transgressions. At past tense, were dead. If you jump to verse 4, he says, but now God's made you alive. We can be free. Free from the stuff of the past. Free from the, the guilt and shame through the provision of Jesus Christ. I love the verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 that says this, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, no condemnation. Go ahead and tell them. No, isn't that good news? No condemnation. Why? Because of the provision of Jesus Christ. You can live free from the guilt and the shame, the stuff of the past. Not only that, but because Jesus is alive today, you don't have to live in fear of death. You know, the number one fear of human beings today is the fear of dying. If I were to take a poll this morning of 100 people, 100 people gathered here, and I were to ask you, what are you most afraid of? Somewhere at the top of the list, if not the top, is always this, I'm afraid of dying. Because we, we're always afraid of that which we don't know. Like, what's going to happen when I die? Like, is there an afterlife? What's that going to be like? Like, when I die, like, are we all going to be turned to ants? I don't know. What's going to happen? There's this unknown, and it's this unknown that, that can create this fear in our lives. But because of the resurrection, we don't have to fear death. One, because Jesus Christ conquered death when He got up on the third day. There's a funny story, funny story that happened at a florist shop. There was a Philadelphia law firm that sent a floral arrangement to a law office in Baltimore that had just opened up, so they were celebrating this new law office. So they ordered uh, a floral arrangement, and when the floral arrangement arrived at the law office, the ribbon on the, the front of the floral arrangement said, Deepest Sympathy. <laughs> so they immediately called the florist and said, Hey, what's up with this? And we got this floral arrangement that says, Deepest Sympathy. And the florist says, oh my goodness, that means that the one we sent to the funeral home says, welcome to your new location. <laughs> Listen, because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. Why? Because we have, we have the promise, the promise of of eternal life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, Paul wrote these words, And God raised us up with Christ, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. And then Jesus, in a conversation with Mary and Martha, Lazarus, His good friend, has died. Mary and Martha, they sent for Jesus, but Jesus was delayed. He didn't show up like when they wanted Him to show up. When He did show up, Lazarus is dead. And Mary and Martha, they're like all upset. If Jesus, if you would have been here, like our brother would still be alive, but because you didn't come, he's dead. And in the midst of this conversation, Jesus says some really profound words. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's that's the hope we have through the resurrection. We don't, we don't have to live in fear, in fear of death. 
Now, if you can think of it like this, because of the resurrection, for those who believe and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, we're living in a win-win situation. Win-win. So I win here, enjoying relationship with, with all of you. I get to be a part of all that God's doing in the world today. I win. But when I die, I win. I, I don't lose. I get to go be with Jesus. I get to go to a place called heaven. Pretty amazing. Now listen, if you're here today and you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're in a win-lose situation. You may win in this life. You may gather a lot of stuff. Get some titles. You may win in this life, but when you come to the end of your life, you're going to lose. Because you're going to spend eternity separated from God. Listen, folks, here's the reality. 100% of people die. Statistics are in. It's pretty amazing. It's not like 2% escape death. No. 100%. In other words, it is a reality. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to live with a win-lose. We can live with win-win. We don't have to fear. We don't have to live in fear of death. Here's a third truth that's good news. Because Jesus is alive, you can live with hope and hopeless situations. Hope and hopeless situations. And the reality is life can bring situations where there seems to be no solutions, no possibilities, no hope. Like the disciples following the crucifixion, we can be devastated by the realities of life. Listen, stuff happens in life and it can rock your boat, even sink your boat. Hard times. Challenging times, situations that you look at the situation and think, wow, what am I going to do? It seems so impossible. Listen, because Jesus is alive, this is what it means today. We have help in the challenges of life and we can live with hope in every situation. The resurrection means that places of impossibility become places of possibility. Listen, if Jesus Christ defeated the grave, and He did, If He got up on the third day and He did, listen, there's no situation that you're going to experience, that you're going to face in life that Jesus can't take care of. And we have hope. Hope in the hopeless situations. He can take the experiences that we would never want to face and bring hope in this. That's exactly what He did for Josh and Della Knowles. They came to a crisis in their lives And it was in the midst of the crisis that they discovered both help and hope. I want you to listen to their story. We bought a house um, in 2015 in Mooresville. My parents uh, finished the basement and moved in with us. And at that point, my dad's health began to deteriorate. it was a pretty fast uh, downfall in his health, and so he passed away June 22nd, um, in 2017. And all of my siblings and family had gathered um, to deal with that and process that whole um, tragedy. I had like the natural reaction. I I screamed at first and yelled, but um, 
abandoned and I just had this peace. We were holding each other and just just crying and and I said, I don't know what to do. And it, it might be the first time I've ever told her that. <laughs> I think generally it comes back to you're missing something that was there. Uh, Lauren used to be up, you know, same time every morning and come downstairs and be sitting at the table. And when I'd come home from working at night, she was there. And uh, she'd come running to me and just screaming my name and give me a big hug. And so now, you know, opening the door to just a quiet house is hard. It's hard. Yeah, I would say that's probably the hardest, realizing that you have a new normal, <laughs> that you have to push forward and you have to, you'll never be who you were, really, which kind of stinks because <laughs> we had a good life <laughs> and we were in a really good place and, you know, things were going well and then that rug's completely taken out from under you. Our relationship with God is strengthening, uh, just because we're we're going at it from a whole different angle than we used to. Jesus is a rescue, and it's what gives us hope. Uh, um, I mean, we can overcome fear because we have hope, and, and shame, and guilt because we have hope, and. We're moving forward because we have hope. I love the one for, uh, the song that talks about how he leaves the 99. He will leave those 99 and come after you. No matter what you've done, no matter um, what you've lost, how angry you've gotten, no matter how hopeless you feel, he runs after you all the time. I was with Josh and Dell in the hospital. Three days later, I was a part of the celebration of life service for their three-year-old daughter, Lauren. And I can tell you, it was a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad experience. It was heart-wrenching. And to think about, especially if you're a parent or a grandparent, the most tragic thing that could happen, happen in their lives. If you were to talk with Josh and Dell, they were here in the first service this morning. They would say, this is how we made it through this horrible experience in our lives as we anchored ourselves to Jesus. And in that, they found hope. In that, they found help in this situation that they didn't want. If you can roll back time, they wish they could avoid it, but can't roll back the clock. Yet in the midst of it, what did they discover? They discovered hope and they had help. As they process through experience in their lives. This is what I know today. Because the tomb is empty. Because Jesus got up from the grave. And in any and every situation, there's, there's help. And there's hope. Which brings us to the final truth this morning. Because Jesus is alive. Listen folks, you can live with the confidence that you'll go to heaven. So you don't have to go through life wondering. You don't, you don't have to go through life doubting. Like, I, like am I going to make it or am I 
Am I not going to make it? Listen, you can be certain. You can be certain that you're going to go to heaven. So straight up this morning, let me ask you a question. Are you certain? Are you certain that you're going to go to heaven? If, if you were to die tonight and find yourself standing before God and He were to ask you, why should I let you in to this perfect place called heaven? What answer would you give? And well, I... I'm a nice guy. Listen, nice is not good enough. And well, I've, I've worked really hard. Well, I'm glad you worked really hard. But listen, working really hard is not good enough. You say, well, I, I have some knowledge. I've, I've memorized a couple of scriptures. Listen, that's not good enough. Hey, here's the challenge. The standard is perfection and none of us are perfect. That's really it. The standard's perfection and you're not there and I'm not there. And we were dead in our sins and transgressions. What Jesus came to make us alive. Today you can be certain. We, we believe and we receive. And in that, we have love. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Jesus said these words, For God so loved the world, make it personal, for God so loved you. That He gave His Son, knowing that there would be a cross, knowing that there would be the rejection and the pain, knowing that there would be death. Listen, death, the death of Jesus was the price that was paid that you and I might be free. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him, in Christ, that one would have eternal life. And we can be confident when we die, well, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Way, truth, life. He says, the only way you can get to the Father is through me. See, being good is not enough. Being nice is not enough. Working hard is not enough. Having knowledge is not enough. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I... I, I I have knowledge that Jesus got up out of the grave. Listen, that's great, but just knowing alone is not enough. What we have to believe and receive. John, John the Apostle who gave witness to the resurrected Jesus. In other words, after Jesus got out of the grave, John saw Him, interacted with Him on numerous occasions. John wrote these words in the Gospel of John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Because here's the bottom line. Jesus is alive. But that truth, that truth will not bring you life unless you believe and receive the One who came to give you life. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to ask if you would close your eyes, bow your head. Father God, we thank You that You so loved us that You intervened in our dilemma. You sent Your Son to die on a cross at Calvary to pay the penalty for our sin and our, and our death that we might live free. That we might live free of, of guilt and shame. That we can live free of, of the fear of death. That we can have hope in hopeless situations. And that when we die, when our life ends here, we can be certain we're going to be there with You. 
God, thanks for loving us so much that you created the way, the way to salvation. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly you're here today. And you've never received Christ as your Savior. Maybe it's not that you didn't have knowledge of. Maybe you had knowledge of, but you've never made the decision. Listen, it's really simple. There's two options. It's accept Christ or reject Christ. It's spend eternity in heaven with Jesus or split hell wide open. It's really simple. Two options. Two choices if you can think of it like that. And Jesus Christ came to make dead people alive. And my question is, do you need to be made alive today? How do you do that? It's really simple. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you right now. Again, here's the really simple question. If you were to die, if you were to die tonight, are you certain you'd be present with Jesus? Are you certain because you've received Christ as your Savior? If not, I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you've never received Christ, never opened your heart to Him, you say, hey, I want to do that today. I want to be made alive. Would you raise your hand really high? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to agree with you as you make the most significant decision in your life. Is there anyone in the balcony on the main floor? Maybe watching online. If you're watching today and you say, I have never made that decision. Listen, right there in your living room as you're driving down the interstate, wherever you're at, you can pray this prayer. Amen. Would you pray this with me this morning? Let's just repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life that I might have life. I I confess my sin before you. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to live my life for you. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.